0: Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. Um, I've got a message on my heart and... It's it's probably a little different than my usual type of message We'll be in first Peter So if you have your Bibles or want to bring it up on your phone, you can read it I'm also going to have it on the screen for you So I want to read through this portion of scripture first and then we're going to take a minute. We're going to look at it I have no expectation of getting done today. So yes, it's about usual Uh, so Anyway, we're going to work on it this morning. Don't forget, next week, of course, we, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We'll be celebrating communion and taking, taking time together to do that. If you've got a testimony, maybe the Lord's done something just awesome for you this year, and you want to take a moment and share that and give a testimony for the Lord. See me after this service, and we'll get you into the program for next week because I, I want to take a couple of minutes there and let people talk about uh, things that the Lord has done, being grateful. Uh, So first Peter and to kind of set the the context for you first Peter is a book where Peter was writing to the church the first century church And was basically addressing the fact that they were going through some stuff They were suffering through some hard times There was a lot of persecution that was coming toward the church and some of them were saying well We surely can't be in God's will or we wouldn't be suffering persecution We wouldn't be going through these things, but i'm going to tell you something uh, if we're a believer, uh, especially in this day and time in which we live, we're going to deal with some issues, amen? And so Peter's writing this letter, and he's giving them a reason to hope. And so we take up in cha- verse 3 of chapter 1, first Peter, and he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Somebody say amen if you're born again. Amen. That was a little bit weak. I'll give you one more chance on that. If you're born again, say amen. 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 (laughs) All right. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and now we live with great expectation. Amen. Not talking about the Charles Dickens novel. We're talking about having great expectations, though, because the Lord's planning some stuff for us, and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for somebody down the street, for uh, uh, somebody you work with, for somebody we never met. Maybe, but it's for you. <laughs> they may get one too, but this is for you. So a priceless inheritance, inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay amen it's not going to fluctuate with the stock market amen it's not going to come and go as as things it can't it can't uh not like money you stick away in a, in a hole in the ground and somebody comes in and steals it it's not like that nothing gonna change it and through your faith God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see whenever he comes back guess what there ain't going to be no secret about who's a believer. Amen. Verse 6. So be truly glad. Does that mean you're all the time walking around with a smile on your face? Not necessarily. Having joy, being glad is different from being happy. Happy is an emotion. Amen. And otherwise, uh, if, if it was not an emotion, an emotion is kind of contingent on what's going on. That's why sometimes, you know, when the Bible tells us to love one another, we think of love as an emotion. It is not an emotion. It is a choice. It is something that comes from within us. It is something that comes through the Holy Spirit. And so otherwise, have you ever ever told your kid, quit crying? And how many of you, it worked? No, it just makes them go more. So it's not an emotion that can be commanded. It's something that comes from within. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have endured many trials for a little while. Again, realize just because we're a believer doesn't mean everything goes perfectly. It simply means that we have something beyond this world. I've, I've said it a million times. The scene always plays out in my mind. There is... Um, A movie that Jack Nicholson was in, yeah, Jack Nicholson, okay, I I always get him and Jack Nicholas, Nicholas is the golfer and Nicholson is the actor, although he does play golf, Um, but Jack Nicholson was in a movie, as good as it gets is the name of the movie and this guy he suffered from OCD and uh, if you've seen the movie you know he'd get out this soap and he'd wash his hands he'd throw the bar away and get out another fresh bar of soap and wash his hands sometimes till his hands were raw and he was having this particularly bad time and he wanted to see a psychiatrist and well you don't have a regular appointment we'll see if we can work you in And he sits down in the in the waiting room there and they said, We'll try to work in and he looks around there and everybody's, you know, having their own problems and stuff. And he gets up and gives you his little spiel. What if this is as good as it gets? Hence the name of the movie. And that that scene plays out in my mind often. Because sometimes when things go wrong in this world, sometimes when we're going through stuff and we're wondering, you know, what in the world is going on? Shouldn't this be better than this? I think about that scene. What if this is as good as it gets? How many of you would be sadly disappointed if this was it? Four people, thank you for being honest. How many of you would be sorely disappointed if this was as good as it gets? Yes, me too. And I think about that often. And I I just, I, it, it makes me kind of grin. Sometimes I'm sure people think I'm goofy. Well, they probably think I'm goofy anyway. But when I smile without there being a reason necessarily, it's because that scene's playing out in my mind. What if this is as good as it gets? But Hallelujah. It's not as good as it gets. Amen? The Lord's made us all kinds of promises, and that's what Peter's reminding these people of. This is not as good as it gets. And you may go through hard times. You may go through suffering. You may go through some times of persecution. But ultimately, it comes down to this. This is nowhere near as good as it gets. Somebody say amen. Um, Enduring trials for a little while. Verse 7 these trials will show that your faith is genuine in other words you're not gonna you can't get to heaven you can't get to the promised land without going through the the valley amen you can't get get through there without going through the desert just like the children of israel couldn't get to the promised land without going through that that time in the desert it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold and though your faith is far more precious than mere gold so When your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed. Amen. That's good stuff. (laughs) And it says when he's revealed to the whole world. In verse 8, You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not now see him, you trust him. Remember, he told Thomas, Thomas said, I'll believe whenever I see, whenever I thrust my hand into his side and whenever I stick my finger into those nail prints on his hand, then I'll believe. And bada boom, bada bing, Jesus in the house. Amen. Come here. Come here, Thomas. Come here, Thomas. Give me your hand. Give me your finger. And what did Thomas do? he fell down on his knees and said my lord and my god and he said thomas you're blessed because you have seen and believed but more blessed are they who have never seen and yet believe amen never seen him but yet we believe and we are blessed for it amen i told you it's a little different sermon <laughs> And though you do not now see him, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. If you've got a King James or a new King James, that's uh, uh, exceeding joy and full of glory. Amen. And the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. In other words, we'll get to be in heaven forever and with him forever. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to see. The people that we read of in the Old Testament wanted, longed for, desired would have given everything they own to see the moment that we are living in, to where all it takes to be saved is to have faith and receive his grace. And sometimes we take it for granted. Even the prophets wanted to know more about when when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. Verse 12. They were told that their message was not for themselves but for you. And yet they gladly gave it. Sometimes I think we're selfish. I think if we thought it wasn't for us, we'd say, well, well, what's the use? Why are we doing this? And he says, and now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching for these things to happen. Let's pray over that, and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you for your word because, Lord, when we read it and we understand, it gets us excited. The Holy Spirit within us cannot help but get excited about what you've got in store. And so, Lord, thank you for giving us that reason for hope. And, Lord, as we just look at it this morning, I pray you'd bless uh, the word, bless bless me preaching it. Lord, let me be able to preach it the way you gave it to me. And, Lord, I thank you in advance for the good things you're going to do here this morning. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We need a reason for hope. I don't know overall if there's, I'm sure there probably has been generations that needed hope as much as ours, but I'm not sure of when. We live in a world that's very, very confusing. We live in a world that is full of trouble. We live in a world that is absolutely just head-scratching as of late. I don't know about you, I, I do not make a habit of watching the news channels. That's mostly at my wife's behest. Because she says, you can't watch it and not get mad. <laughs> so I try to, try to swear off of it as much as a kid. I can. I don't watch it, 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 it. Keep up with the news, but I don't watch it a lot. And we're living in a day and a time when truth matters very little. We're living in a time when it doesn't matter what the truth really is. If we say what we believe long enough, that becomes the truth. I feel. Oh, my goodness, did any of you watch any of the stuff that's going on on television, the circus uh, of a trial that's going on for the impeachment of our president of this great United States? I didn't say he was a great president. He's a good president, but it's a great United States. Amen. I said it whenever I got the opportunity to travel abroad. Uh, Whenever they announced that we were back in United States airspace and that we'd soon be arriving at JFK, there was a big whoop, went up on the plane, and (laughs) little did everybody know it was me. (laughs) I was so glad (laughs) to get back to the United States. Uh, If you cut me, I bleed red, white, and blue. Now, uh, presidents come and go, and and elected officials come and go, but I'm going to tell you something. We, We are looking at trouble with a capital T, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, they had people up there that was, uh, well, did did you have firsthand knowledge of this conversation? No, but I I heard that uh, that my brother's cousin's uncle that shops, grocery shops with my cousin said that this is the way it was. Why are they even up there? So, again, truth matters so very, very little these days. And I'm troubled about it. I'm troubled about it. Not from the standpoint they'll, they'll sort all this out. And you know how it's going to go the is, is same way I do. The House is going to convict him. The Senate will uh, acquit him. And, and we'll go on from there. So that part's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about what this and, and all the lead-up to this has done to our nation. We're so divided. We are so absolutely divided along party lines. Uh, I'm a history buff. How many of you didn't know that? Okay, nobody didn't know that. Well, Rhett, okay. <laughs> Rhett didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I'm a history buff. This is very like unto, if you read history very much, very like unto the early 1860s, which was the lead up, in the 1850s, late 1850s, and early 1860s, whenever our nation was divided. Very much the same rhetoric that was going on. And the deal is, I, I had a very, very good friend. I mean, he was one of who I would have considered to be one of my very best friends. Angie, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Charles Davis was his name, and he's gone on to be with the Lord. But he was a really good friend. And every Monday morning, he would come into my office, and we would talk about something. And most of the times, it was politics. And he was on the opposite side of the coin from me. But you know what? We got together and we talked about it. And yeah, every now and then we'd make our good point, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? We, we loved each other. And nowadays, you cannot have an opposite opinion without hating the other person. Just because we disagree does not mean we have to hate one another. You can, you can disagree without being disagreeable. Amen? And and that's what our nation has lost. We're not in that same arena that we used to be nowadays if you don't share every point right down the line hundred thou, you are an enemy of that person and it ought not be that way and we are causing confusion in so many different ways in this nation so much so that we cannot get anything accomplished it seems no matter which party seems to be in, in in control, they can't get anything accomplished because of all the arguing and infighting and all that kind of stuff. Now, this is not a political message. I'm just telling you that we are in some, some troubling times. And there's such confusion. Right now, don't, don't hear something I'm not saying. But one of the biggest issues of confusion, especially among our young people, is gender identity. Identity. Okay, there is, heard a story, this is years and years and years ago. Uh, There was a a family and they had a a dog, a female dog, and she got out, got loose, had a little bit of tear through the town, and, and just a little while, here she is having puppies. And so the young kids are in there watching her have the puppies, and oh, it's just a grand thing to see life. Come into this world and you cannot be involved in that and not know that there's a God in heaven amen and so here are these little kids you know they're peeping into the room and here's this mama dog and she's nursing the puppies and so they a little boy says uh daddy 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 said what are they and he said what do you mean and he said they're they're puppies and he said no 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 I mean which ones are girls and which ones are boys so the dad starts picking them up and he said that's a girl that's a boy that's a girl that's a boy and so uh the next day the little kid brings his brings his friend over to the house and uh the the little friend says uh well, which ones are, are girls and which ones are boys? And he said, well, my dad said that was a girl and this one's a boy and that was a girl and this one's a boy. And he said, well, how does he know? And he said, I don't know, but it's written underneath. <laughs> there should be no confusion. Amen. Again, don't hear something I'm not saying. I'm just saying that right now, that's a big deal for our young people. And, and I've had, I won't dare call any names, but I've had a multitude of people in the last little bit come to me as a pastor and say, Pastor, where I work, I'm facing this issue. There's somebody that's there, and they are evidently a guy, but they want to be, their pronoun is she. Again, simple issue. It's written underneath. There is no dispute in that fact but it's causing so much confusion in our world right now. I even dealt with someone, and I knew what gender they were by by how they looked, but they were dressed like the opposite gender. And I said, because my mama raised me right, if you hand me something, I say, thank you. And if if somebody does something for me, I say, usually, thank you, ma'am, or thank you, sir. And I said, thank you, ma'am. And I got some side eye. And I thought to myself, did I just... I mean, it caused confusion in me. Because here I am being my usual nice self. And it's... How many of you, that's on automatic for you? Somebody hands me something. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate that. And I said, thank you, ma'am. And got some side eye. And I thought, have I just... Crossed the line there that I didn't even uh, that I didn't even know was there. It's creating such confusion in our world. Do you realize that the millennial generation is set to statistically be some of them are referring to it as the suicide generation, more suicides than any other generation in history. Because we had no hope. Because we have no solid. The, the nuns, which is, uh, I'm not talking about those that wear the big black and white hats and that kind of stuff. The nuns, the, the people that identify as nun, whenever it's, you know, like what are your belief system? Nun. That, that segment of the population has grown to almost 50%. The people that, if they have an opportunity to say, I'm Jewish, I'm Catholic, I'm Protestant, I'm none, they're checking the none. Absolutely no belief system whatsoever, or at least none that fits into other boxes. We're, we're a people without hope. We're a people without vision because vision ties in with hope, and what does, it, what does the Bible specifically say? Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so I am so troubled about this. I have been, this has been heavy on my heart for weeks and weeks and weeks, not knowing what to do. How do we address it? Because, see, there's so many issues that tie into this. It's the confusion about who we are, our own identity. And, and again, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just telling you that we, are the, we should have the answers. But what do you say whenever somebody comes to you and says, I'm having problems in this area or at my work, I'm having to deal with these issues? The only thing I can do is this right here. And on so many issues, it is so crystal clear that we have to go out of our way to misunderstand it. Male and female created he them. All the way back to the first few chapters. Pretty clear. Again, it's written. It's written underneath, <laughs> uh, and so here's here's the deal. What what are we to do? We, our message is the message of hope. But what we what we're dealing with is is the culmination of everything that's happened along the way because we have become materialistic as a nation. We've lost our roots. Uh, Our founding fathers, again, back to a little history thing, if you look at the American Revolution and the French Revolution, absolutely very little difference between it except that ours was driven by belief in God and manifest destiny and that we're here for a reason, we're here for a purpose. And the French Revolution was all about what's in it for me. And you see what the end result was in both cases. If we lose our identity as the, as the people of God, as, if we, uh, we begin to have a very low view of this, that's why we're aborting babies by the thousands. If I go out here and kill someone, and they figure out I did it, and they come and get me, guess what is going to happen? The big old boy going to burn. Well, we don't do the electric chair anymore, but he's going to get a lethal injection. But yet it's perfectly okay two weeks before that to murder a child. Oh, well, it's just a mass of cells. You are fooling yourself. And if we have a high view of this word, this word says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in our mother's womb, that thousands of years before we existed, he knew whose name would be written in the Lamb's book of life. My Lord, there's no confusion about that. So we don't know what to how to refer to people. We don't know how to how to talk about this issue of abortion and, and that it's murder nonetheless, regardless what name you affix to it. We're, we're living in a day and a time whenever, you know, I've said this many, many times. My grandparents, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. He was born in 1907, and he died in 1984. And I spent a bunch of time with him because he was a trades worker. He had already retired, and I always hated going to town with my mom, so I would beg off going to town. I always hated shopping, and let me just add a little side note, still do. And she will (laughs) back me up 100% on that. I kind of approach shopping like a hunter. Uh, You know, if I need a pair of socks, I know in the store pretty much where the socks hang out. So I go, and I stalk that part of the store, and I find a pair of socks I like, and I get them, and I run to the register, and I check out, and I get back in my car and head home, hallelujah, victory is mine. <laughs> I have the trophy. So I, I never wanted to go shopping, so always I would always beg off, my grandfather ran a little welding and machine shop for years, because he didn't like to hunt, he didn't like to fish, that was his hobby. And so he ran this little welding and machine shop, so I, I was out there at 10 years old, and and doing that kind of work and so i spent a lot of time with him and i knew the stories that he told about how he grew up and how tough it was and i there was never a doubt in my mind that my mom knew she could do better than her parents did my dad grew up to a a, to a a guy who was a, a farmer and when he was 17 he graduated high school he went joined the air force he knew he could do better than his father did then i come along me and my brother and there was never a doubt in my mind that if i applied myself and i learned to trade i could do as well as my parents did and they did pretty well my dad worked in a plant my mom was a stay-at-home mom and so they did very well i knew when when i met angie and she and i started dating i've had to wear down her defenses i asked her out several times and i finally wore her down kind of broke down her spirit and she finally <laughs> finally agreed to go out with me and all the in-betweens ins and outs and everything else we've been together counting that time 36 years this year coming up on 37 and we knew we could do as good as my parents when when my children came along I suddenly realized that my, my children would be hard-pressed to do as good as I did. And their children, man, it's tough. Again, we're looking at a generation without hope in many, many different areas. So where is the hope? What, what can we, Gosh, this is just an introduction, y'all so i'm in trouble i'm finishing today number one peter says this and we're going to talk about this one verse and then we'll go home all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because god raised jesus christ from the dead do you realize that our hope doesn't lie in a grave somewhere The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what changes Christianity from every other so-called religion in this world that we don't have a Savior that is buried somewhere amen he went to death hell and the grave and was resurrected that third morning and whenever he arose it assured us that we would be also risen that same spirit that dwelt within him dwells within us and whenever we have accepted him as our lord and savior and the holy spirit comes and dwells within us it has sealed and secured our future that we will be raised with him somebody ought to be saying amen at this point There's, a, oh, some of you, this may blow some of you out of the water, there's conjecture about where Jesus was really buried. Okay? We have that picture that they show every time you talk about Christ's tomb. That's actually probably not it. When Emperor Hadrian came into Jerusalem, he was wanting to build something where the supposed tomb was, and he had it all leveled and the hole filled in. Okay? There was a guy one time that was over there. He'd got a chance to go to Jerusalem, so he was touring to both sites where the presumed tomb was and where the one that they show in all the pictures, the garden tomb, you know, with the door and the window on one side. And so he was looking at at both of these sites, and his tour guide uh, was not a Christian. And so he had him taking him to both sites. And the guy was just standing off to the side. And at the second side, he said, how sad it is that you Christians don't even know where your Savior is buried. And the guy said, I turned to him, and he said, it's worse than that. There's no body in, in either place. Amen? Why? Because he's risen. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Amen? Amen? And and, uh, again, we come back to the fact that that changes everything. There is no other. If you want to talk about Buddha, hey, there's a place where Buddha's buried. You want to talk about Muhammad? They go and worship at his grave. There's no other religion in the world that has a risen Savior. And his, his resurrection secures ours. In 1 Thessalonians, the the Thessalonian church had been duped. They had believed a lie. They believed that the the resurrection had already happened and that they had somehow missed it. And sometimes in this world, there are people who still say, well, it's already happened. We're behind that. There's no such thing as his coming back. There's branches in our family tree that don't believe in that. But it all comes down to this. Paul, writing to that Thessalonican church, he says, Don't be ignorant. Don't don't misunderstand this. Our hope, our blessed hope, lies in the fact that one day he's coming back. The clouds are going to roll away. That eastern sky is going to split open. The trump of God shall sound. And the voice of the archangel is going to cry out. And he is going to come back. In a flash in the twinkling of an eye and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them but first those that have gone on before the graves are gonna burst open and they are gonna come out of their graves and we're all gonna meet him so whether we go by way of the grave or whether we go by way of the rapture guess what we're going amen that ought to be the biggest hope that there is somebody say amen amen and amen